Welcome to the Rick Fuller Podcast, presented by Rick Fuller, the team leader of the Rick Fuller team, which serves the San Francisco Bay Area and the greater Sacramento region. Rick and his team have over 1,000 five-star reviews and have been honored as a distinguished small business by the California State Senate and Assembly. Rick is a community leader, national real estate coach, and real estate investing expert. The market is changing. Are you? Learn how Rick is guiding his team to harness the opportunities in a changing market and what you can do, too, to gain your unfair share. Do you remember, and we're looking 20-year snapshot, and that's how long I've been in the real estate business. And so this is my first phone, the Nokia. Uh, Samsung came out with a phone in 2002, and they said it was the very first phone that had a camera. <laughs> now we look at the iPhone, it's got multiple cameras. You got the pano, you got the portrait, you've got oh, you, you've got slow-mo. I mean, you could do a myriad of things with this iPhone today. You remember the iBook? And this thing was like a boat anchor. And now we got the Mac Pro, MacBook Pro. Look at the resolution on the MacBook Pro. Absolutely incredible. How about this one? The Mazda. Does anybody remember a Mazda? Today we have the Tesla. Was, was Tesla and Elon Musk on the right side of history? Have you read anything about EV, electric vehicles, and how they are exploding? And as, every time you're at the gas pump, you probably think, man, I wish I had an electric vehicle. So things change over time. And I'm going to tell you that, that those who don't change with the market, they get changed out. Let me give you some examples. Christina? Perfect. Hi, do you remember these brands? A couple of them are near and dear to my heart. Do you remember Tower Records? They had one in Concord over there um, off of Willow Pass Road. Remember Saturn, the car company? How about Mervyn's? Like if you grew up in the Bay Area and Sacramento, like you shopped at Mervyn's for all your school closing, school clothes growing up. How about that blue light special at Kmart or my personal favorite, Circuit City, where service is, yeah, state of the art. Remember those days? These are brands that didn't change. And notice there are all kinds of different companies. You've got bookstores, you've got toy stores, you've got uh, clothing stores, you've got electronic retailers, you've got record outlets. Like they're all, they're, they're all scattered over a variety of different industries. And of course, we could fill this chart of our favorite brands that are no longer here. But some brands changed with the times, didn't they? Next slide, Christina, there we go. Uh, They changed with the times, they adapted. Uh, They didn't stay where they once were. And they actually took what I'm encouraging you to do is to take your unfair share. The average realtor is selling about four houses a year. That's your fair share. If you wanna just divide up the number of sales and the number of agents, I think that you and I should take our unfair share because normal is broke. Normal is giving bad advice and normal is delivering a terrible experience to your clients. These brands have really taken massive market share. And so much so that some of us use these brands, we've used these brands even today. Whether we drove in in a Tesla, we've gone to Amazon, we bought a Starbucks cup of coffee or you did some type of search on Google or you looked at Facebook. These brands have taken their unfair share. Guess where, what brand, what side of the ledger we want you to be on? We want you to be on the side of the ledger where you take your unfair share. And let's go to the next slide, Christina. 
And I know I'm moving through quickly because I have so much I want to share with you. So let's start with a market. And we're going to look at the S&P 500 stock index from 1994 to 2019. Now, listen, some of you are not numbers people. Don't get, don't get lost. Don't get glassy-eyed. Don't go to sleep on me. Just hang with me for a few minutes on this. I want to point out a couple of things. Look at 1994, stock market average, S&P 500 index, 500 points. In 2000, six years later, it reached a peak. Do you see that? 1,500. Then we began through the dot-com. How many people lived through that? Maybe you had stocks, you had something invested in the dot-com era, and it hit a bottom at 2003. And then by 2007, we had a new peak. So there was a peak in 2000. There was a peak again at 2007. I think everybody here remembers the October 2008 market crash. I certainly do. Matter of fact, I had a financial advisor. He called me. He was so scared when the stock market dropped. And he says, Rick, I suggest we keep everything in cash. And I said, no, I'm fairly young. I think I'm pretty healthy. Put it all in. We want to invest as prices are low. And he says, no, we, we strongly recommend you don't. We don't know what to do. We're scared. After the market rebounded and I lost all of that opportunity, uh, I promoted him to customer. And that happened very, very quickly. And in 2008, we saw the market drop. And then by 2016, we had the election. In 2018, the market had peaked again. In 10 years, the market had doubled. Look at that. We're nearly at 3,000. And in 2008, we're at 1,500. We had a little drop off in 2014. It rebounded in 2019. And in 2019, it was at 3,000. And without looking it up, can anyone guess where the S&P 500 stands today? Put it in the chat box. Where do you think it stands today? The S&P 500 index. Don't Google it. Don't go to your stock app. Okay, Jimmy, you're pretty close. Jimmy says 4,700. Anyone else want to chime in? Forty two hundred and five as of this morning. In other words, in 2019, we we're at three thousand going all the way back to 1994. We we're at simply five hundred. Here's my argument. And I, and I want you to hear this part as I summarize. Take a step back from this chart and notice there was no crash. I once drove my brother's pickup truck and I crashed on Powell Street in Emeryville. And I ran it into the San Pablo Bay. I completely totaled his truck. And when I crashed, I didn't go from 60 miles an hour to 20. I didn't go from 50 miles an hour to like 35. When I crashed, I went from going 60 miles an hour to zero because I was in the bay. Do you see that with this market? Because I don't. I don't see a crash. I see a correction. And I want you to get this language. It's very important because we're talking about the history of the market, that it didn't crash. It didn't go to zero. Okay. It, it declined. It corrected. It adjusted, but it didn't crash. So let's go look at the real estate market now. And we're going to look at specifically the San Francisco Bay. Uh, and this is the region. Okay. So let's go and we'll look at this. And so from 1984 to 1990, values increased. 100%. We had the 1989 SF earthquake. And from 1991, we had a pullback of the market, didn't we? 
we had a change in the market and home values actually dropped from 1991 to 1994. I remember this because my parents bought a house in Antioch during that time and their home values stalled. And they bought, I think, for about 160, 170,000. It dropped to probably about 150, maybe 145, and it stalled. But in 1995 to 2001, once again, home values went up 100% during the dot com. And then we had a little bit of pullback. Remember this? This is the subprime market. This is back again in 2002 to 2007. We saw 59% increase in home values. And in 2008, there's that number again. We saw a decline of the market, 27%. And from that 2008 all the way up to today, we have seen a very different market where it has increased significantly. Now, we take a step back from this picture and we just look at this chart. Which direction did you see both the stock market and the real estate market going? North. It was going up. Let me, you take a step back from this picture and show me the bubble. Show me the bubble. I remember walking uh, down the street in, in Central Park in New York City on Manhattan. Guy had these two wands. He'd dip it in a bucket. You know, he had this long rope and this huge bubble would come out. And when the bubble came out and it popped, it bursted. Was there anything left? Zero. It was all on the ground. Do you see that with the stock market? Do you see that with the real estate market? See, when we use words like crash and bubble, we send completely uh, wrong, um, ignorant messages when we just pick up this language because the rest of the world, we're the real estate professional, we're their, their economists, and we start talking about real stock market crashes and real estate market bubbles. Because when I look at this, and I've given you two charts now going back, this one since 84, we're going on 40, nearly 40 years. I don't see a burst, do you? And this is the perspective that I want you to see. Markets change, markets adjust, and we've got to adjust with them. Let's go a little deeper. In my 20-year history, we've gone through lots of different markets. Next slide. I remember the first-time buyer market. This was my personal first market that I experienced. This was where the opportunities were. And the market changed, and I had to learn to work with first-time home buyers. Todd, you and I held a class back in those days. If you remember, we would do a first-time home buyer class, and I'd say, call Todd for insurance, and I'll talk to you about buying it. He'll talk to you about insuring it. And we did these first-time home buyer class. Then it was the relocation market. Think back in these days, this is 16, 17 years ago, people moving to Silicon Valley, the massive and uh, volume of people moving to the SF Bay, even Sacramento and Elk Grove. Just I learned to work with HR managers. I can remember taking BART to the Embarcadero building in San Francisco to meet with an HR manager who gave me several of his relocation employees. I helped them find a home. Then we went to the move up market. There was equity. And people said, I need to move up. I need a bigger home. We're in a we're in a three-two. I need a four-two. Or there was the move down market. And I learned in that market how to provide transition options. And things like the rent back began to grow and how we can use contingencies to help make this transition possible. What I'm saying is in every market, there were agent changes that were required. 
In the REO market, I learned to work with asset managers and do BPOs. How many people remember these days of riding BPOs? Wendy, I ask Wendy to go out to properties on a regular basis, take photos, write reports, send them to the asset manager. At that time, we worked with Bank of America. We worked with Wells Fargo. We worked with Fannie Mae. We worked with Freddie Mac. And I had to learn to work with an asset manager. Short sale market, we had to learn to work with short sale coordinators. We employed short sale coordinators full time to manage our short sales. I had to learn those things. Investor market, I had to learn to speak the investor market. Wendy and I had a client back in those days. He went out and he bought 14 homes, all cash. We had to learn how to work with this investor. He spoke a different language. He could care less about the color of paint and the type of flooring. He absolutely cared about what the cap rate was, what his um, cash on cash return, and how he was going to be able to invest in the real estate market. And then we went to a builder market. Do you remember this when we started finally seeing builders come back and put, and I still think that we're in this market. Like what an opportunity. If you would have uh, put your down payment or a deposit on a new home, and a lot of you did this, you did this a year ago. And with the supply chain restrictions, how much did you gain in equity without ever owning the property? It's huge. If I was to buy a home today, I would be looking at a new home because I could sign a contract, not have to make my first mortgage payment with the supply chain problems that we have today and the labor issues, which I've talked to you about time and time again. I wouldn't have to make my first mortgage payment for 18 months. All the while, even with Zillow's uh, revised forecast from 17% to 14%, our average price in Contra Costa County is $1 million. I'll take that $140,000 gain. Then we did the move out market. We've been spending a lot of time on this one. This is when we expanded into Sacramento and Elk Grove and helping our clients there. And we had to learn to expand our services and network. And we started talking about the experience pie, even rolling out insurance, which we did a couple of months ago. The idea was this move out market. Two thirds of people are moving out of the Bay when they sell. A third went to Sacramento and a third went out of state. And we had to build that network. And we built over 100, pe 100 people that you can refer your people to at rickspros.com. I say all of that to say this, the next market, we're, we're going to have to learn. We will continue to learn. We will continue to adapt. And we will continue to get there before anyone else. And we will be like that jet boat to make changes and adjustments as needed to be able to provide solutions to our clients and to be able to speak with great confidence and clarity and courage on what's happening in the real estate market. Next slide. Okay, so what does it look like? Well, I, I would tell you that I think it happens in three seasons. The market has seasons. I'm not talking winter, fall, spring, or summer. What I've experienced is that there's a pre-change. There's things that are happening right before the market is, is preparing to change. Then you have this actual changing of the market. And, and the temperature goes up or the temperature goes down on the market rapidly during this time. And then you have post-change. Oh, it's already changed. You know, what you find... The change has already occurred. We can look back on it on these reports and say, see, that's where it changed. It went up, it went down, it did whatever. And the market, just like success, leaves us clues. And those who are paying attention can identify these clues. Here's what I've realized. In the pre-change, like it hasn't yet made the shift, 
there are signs of a change. There are signs of a change. You say, well, Rick, why are you talking about this today? Because I see signs of a change. I see the, 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 the breeze of chains is in the air. And I know this, if I don't catch that sale <laughs> and agents don't catch the sale, they end up in the rocks. It's like when I'm mountain bike riding, like if you get to the hill and you haven't shifted your gears yet, you know what happens? Your heart rate like goes through the roof and pretty soon you're pushing the bike up the hill. But if you get close to the hill, you know, you, you know, you're going to need a different gear. You switch that gear and you can climb up that hill. Same thing in the real estate market. There are signs of change. What signs am I referring to? Well, I've talked to you, a lot of you about price adjustments or just not getting as many multiple offers on property. And remember what happens in the Bay in Sacramento tends to happen here first before it ever happens around the country. So then once it's in changing, then there's actual evidence of change. We can see it. We feel it. And if I were to describe this like a bell curve, it's almost to me like pressure. There's just a little bit of pressure. And then you go into the evidence of changing and there's a lot of pressure. And then after the change, there's a lot less pressure because people were either changed or they were changed out. And then finally, I start reading it in the newspaper. You know, the newspaper or media outlets, whatever, social media, Inman News, you know, uh, Wall Street Journal, whatever. Then I start seeing them talk about it. And I find these are the clues that I try to pay attention to. And I find that there are two, two people who play this game. There are those that I call the victims. Okay. It's like there's a tsunami and they're just sitting there watching it. And then all of a sudden they get scared and pre-change. They're afraid. They're scared. They don't know what to do. And in changing, you know what they do? They freeze. They stall. You know what they do? They go back to the same place that the cheese was and they find out, oh my goodness, they're not, it's not there anymore. There's not near the amount of cheese there once was just a few months ago. It was different. And the result in post-change is they lose market share. They lose clients. They lose customers. There was a time I thought in Discovery Bay, every third home was owned by a real estate agent. Then after 2008, I realized that most people needed a definition of what a real estate agent actually is because there wasn't any. And that's what happens in the market share with market share and we capture market share. But those, there are a few that are victors in the market, but they win. They use it to their advantage. They catch the sale. They change the gears before they ever hit the hill. And in pre-change, you know what they do? They don't get scared. They get skills. They get skills. They get the skills needed to adapt and change with the market. Rick, what are you going to talk to us about for the next four weeks? Skills. <laughs> what skills you need, how you need to apply them, what you need to say, how you need to say it, how you need to present it, things that we're, we can't do anymore, things you should be doing now, how you should be communicating it. We're going to talk about skills. What do they do in changing? When the actual market is showing evidence of changing, here's what they do. They adapt and serve. They adapt. Third hesitations reads, blessed are the flexible for they shall not be broken. Third hesitations. <laughs> Listen, they adapt and they serve. You will have to adapt. I will have to adapt. Uh, don't worry. We've done this many times before. I just rattled off all the different markets we've adapted to. We will adapt and we'll serve. And post-change, 
those that are victors in this market collect market share. And if you say, well, how did we how do we gather the market share in Antioch or the Bay Area or even in the Sacramento region? It wasn't usually when the market was was doing well at a steady pace. It was when there was fluctuation in the market. We came out of COVID and we gathered a lot of market share because agents were scared. And so we don't get scared. We get new skills. We adapt and serve and we collect market share. Christina, next slide. So Rick, tell me, will the market be good or will it be bad? Have you ever wondered this? Well, here's what I'm going to tell you. There is no good market. But there's also no bad market. There are only different markets. There are only different markets. People always need to buy. People always need to sell. But the cheese, the opportunities get moved. And a different market requires different skills. You say, well, Rick, I'm just new to the industry. I'm just getting used to the skills that I'm acquiring. Guess what? For the rest of your career, you're going to have to get good get comfortable with being uncomfortable because change is always occurring. See, I don't think it just goes hot to cold. I think it just warms up over time and those who adapt to the market and serve win. And so there's a no good market. There's no bad market. There are only different markets and a, and a different market requires different skills. Uh, the definition of a buyer's market and seller's market is literally six months of inventory. We're a long ways away from a buyer's market, aren't we? We have less than one month of inventory. But we're watching very carefully to see where the market goes and how we need to adapt and serve to be able to continue to provide our clients the kind of experience they're excited to tell a friend about. Next slide. Okay, so here's your first homework assignment. So you've heard me use the word cheese a lot. I think there is no better book that defines market shifting, markets changing than this book, Who Moved My Cheese? It's written by Spencer Johnson. It is a re real, it's a real man-sized book, 96 pages, okay? You can do this. You say, Rick, I don't like a handheld book anymore. Like I'm away from, okay, fine. Download it on Kindle. You can get it today. 96 pages, 14 bucks on Kindle. You're like, I don't read books anymore. No worries. Go get it on Audible. Okay, one credit. It's, listen, it's a 90-minute listen. Help me help you navigate the next market and you will gain market share. You will take your unfair share. You will have an advantage that is a significant change over the rest of the industry. But you got to go, you got to do the homework assignment. Okay, I'll, I'll do it again. I've read this book countless times. I have bought it. It sat on the bookshelf. I give it away to people who say, what about this market? What about that market? I'm afraid of this one. I'm afraid of that one. It doesn't matter. We go where the cheese is. And so your homework assignment is to read this book. We are going to talk about it next week. Okay? So you got seven, seven days to do it. Download it. Print it. Buy it. Listen to it. Whatever you choose but we want you to be up to speed. We'll talk about it next week. And next week we will dive into why is our market changing and what to do about it. If this week was all about kind of a historical perspective and kind of my anecdotal uh, view of what's happened in the market, what I've experienced, 
next week is like, why is the market changing today? And what should you do about it?